actually what I just pulled up is um, I'm just pulling up a the very presentation that I gave in Palau three weeks before this event occurred. I mentioned to our small group that that when when I had been with the Depaiva family three weeks before their murder, Pastor Depaiva has said to me, says Wes, says I want you to preach at my church. I know you're here to conduct this diabetes campaign. He says, but I really feel impressed that I want you to preach. And I said, oh, pastor, I, I want to hear you preach. You know, I, I haven't got to hear you preach yet. He says, no, really, I want you to preach. And so I said, okay, uh, uh, let, I'll do that. But I, I, I was unsure what I should preach about. I didn't want to talk more about diabetes. And, um, and so... And so I had recalled that, and I'd, I'd done a camp meeting a few months before where the, the king of Palau, who was a Seventh-day Adventist, had taken the entire group of Seventh-day Adventists, who were, whoever wanted to come, on a huge barge, and we had been navigated through the rock islands of Palau all the way to his personal island, which is this beautiful, beautiful island in the middle of the Rock Islands. It's really paradise on earth. And, and we spent the whole weekend there, and I did, a, I did a series of presentations for camp meeting. And, and while I was there, I, I started picking up on nuances of the discomfort, the discord amongst different classes of individuals, amongst different nationalities of individuals. And... Um, and so, uh, as I prayed about what I should preach on that, that Sabbath, I was impressed that I should preach on this. This is actually, I haven't, I haven't actually pulled up this presentation since, because I'm always doing something different. But I, we called it a time for healing. And, I, and it's really about the, the power of, of forgiveness. Because uh, as, um, as I had been dealing with the question of, of diabetes, which we'll look at in more detail uh, as we have time. The real question is, what are the real most powerful risk factors for really any disease? But, but in this case, I was dealing with diabetes. So what are the things that drive diabetes? Well, we, we know the statistics that, that it has a lot to do with being, uh, having too much fat weight, and very little physical activity, huge risk factors for diabetes. But I believe there's greater risk factors than those. Those are very traditional risk factors. I believe there's more important risk factors than that. And, and, um, and I had uh, I'd been doing a, a series of, uh, actually a clinical series in, in Guam around that time and one of our participants was a, a professor, is a, a professor at, at the University of Guam, brilliant man, who, um, who had, had been a senator for many years. He was just really connected, really. And, and he had just seen his internist, his internal medicine physician, a, a month before. And his, his the reason he saw this doctor is because as chancellor of the graduation ceremonies, 
that uh, a few months before that, he'd actually fainted, collapsed on stage. Not, not, a, good, not a good sign. And, and so he'd gone to see his internist, and his internist did all the tests, and his internist looked at him and said, if you don't get your diabetes under control, your kidney function, your kidneys are going to be destroyed in less than a year. His, his lab tests uh, showed he, his, uh, his proteinuria, the loss of protein in his kidneys was over 3,000 microalbumin year. And, and he had all kinds of other signs that, that his diabetes was so out of control that he wasn't going to live very long. Okay? And, and if his kidneys didn't shut down, is he would probably have a stroke or a heart attack, which is the main way people with uncontrolled diabetes uh, leave us. And so he said, I was shocked. I'd never had a doctor talk to me that way. <laughs> he says, so I, I, I was startled out of my lethargy. Does anybody have the book Desire of Ages with them? I, I can actually look it up on my iPhone, but... If you ever go to page, uh, if we have a chance, go to page 104 of Desire of Ages. That is the model that we have been given, the John the Baptist model. Actually, what God had given John the Baptist to preach, it was intended to startle people out of their lethargy, to wake them up from their life of sin. And, and that's really what our health message in part is, and, and it's... It's best used in a clinical medical setting, most effectively used when the doctor looks at somebody and says, listen, you're going to die unless you change. We need, many of us need to be startled. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're offending me here. <laughs> Don't talk to me that way. But in reality, many of us need to be talked to that way or else we don't change. We don't realize our real need, our real risk. And so that had caused him to enroll in a comprehensive lifestyle medicine program. It was actually a six-month-long program, very intensive. In just two weeks on the program, he was off all his insulin. His blood sugars were all under control. He was, you know, he, was a, he had a Ph.D. He was, he was a chairman of a department at the university, extremely intelligent, very gifted, and, and he had just gone through his life just thinking, oh, well, that's, that's diabetes. It's genetic, isn't it? I can't really change that. Okay, that's, that's hardwired. Okay, we just kind of have to go along with the flow on this. And, you know, uh, uh, other relatives have come and gone with diabetes. This is just inbred. It's just part of my fate. It's part of my fate that, that diabetes will eventually catch up to me. And we all got to die sometime. That type of fatalistic thinking so common in today's world, especially as it relates to our health and our failing health. We just, we excuse it. Well, this is just, maybe it's God's will. Yeah, maybe it's God's will, which means I don't really want to figure out how to change this. I'm just going to let God do what he's doing, as if God is really doing that to us. Uh, so, um, so this gentleman, I'll just call him Dr. John. Dr. John, he, um, he was so, 
he was so amazed that in just two weeks of a comprehensive program, right? You can't, you can't change. You can't reverse a condition that dramatically in two weeks unless you're actually addressing the majority of the factors that are causing it in the first place, right? There are no baby steps here. Okay, if, if, we have to, if we're out to run a marathon, you can't be talking baby steps because it's never going to happen, right? You ha have to do a comprehensive approach to addressing this. And, um, and so the... He was so excited that he decided he was going to go tell his mother. You see, his mother had diabetes, out-of-control diabetes. And, and his, his uh, elderly mother lived with him in his home because his father had passed away. And so he shared this good news. Look, Mom, look, what, look, look I've been able to dramatically alter the course of my diabetes. I'm not afraid of dying next year now. I'm not afraid of collapsing at the next graduation service. I, I'm, I'm feeling so much better. I have so much more energy, and I'm not, I don't even need these medications anymore. It's not about getting off medications. It's about getting so healthy you don't need medications anymore. Right? There's a difference. <laughs> and, and so the... Um, he went to his mom, and he shared this information... And she rebuffed him. She turned a deaf ear. And I remember, I remember the next day he came to me and, and, he, was, and he was talking to me and he said, I was, I was so hurt by the fact that my mother doesn't want anything to do with what I'm experiencing. I just assumed that she would be excited that I was getting this benefit and that she would want to share in that too. Does it sound familiar? Have you ever experienced that? You're excited about what you're experiencing, spiritually maybe, and you want to share that with other people, and you just assume, wow, they're going to want to have what I have. You know, there was so long when I didn't have this, and now I have it, and I feel that joy. I feel that, that pleasure that I hadn't felt for so many years, and I want to share it. I want my friends and my family members to experience this, and they don't want to have any part of it. That's, that's actually part of human nature, isn't it? And so he's sharing this with me, and, and, and I said, well, he says, don't give up on that. You love your mother. She loves you. So she may be turning a deaf ear to you right now, but just, just model this experience for her. Just show her by your life what you're experiencing, and when you have opportunities, appropriately share that with her. This goes on for months and months during the program. Six months into the program, Dr. John comes up to me, and he's actually sharing this in our group, a group of about 12 individuals who had been through the whole program. And, and he says, I'm going to tell you a story. He says, just last night, I was sitting talking with my mother. And you know, once, just once in a great while, you get together with somebody you love, and it's just the conversation goes deep, and it's real. It's not just casual conversation any longer. And, and it, was, it was an introspective moment, and, and, and they were really connected. And so, so John said, I'm going to broach this 
topic with her again. He says, he says Mom, says, uh, I, I'm trying to understand why you are not excited about what I'm experiencing in reversing my diabetes. And she, he said, she turned to me and said, Son, I don't deserve to have my diabetes reversed. And he, and he said, like, what do you mean, Mom? What do you mean you don't deserve to have your diabetes reversed? And he said, she turned to me again and said, Son, God is punishing me for the sins of my youth. I don't deserve. I don't deserve to have this taken away from me. This is a cross that I must bear. And, and he said, that was, that just shocked me. And we talked about that a little bit. But you know, within a month of saying that, she recognized that that's not the way God is. She had been a, a staunch Catholic woman. She really believed that this was a curse, that God had given her this because of what she had done in her past. Sound familiar? Okay. Jesus dealt with that in, in his three and a half years of healing. And he frequently healed people that people say, oh, it's either because of something he's done or something his parents have done. kind of brings up visions of genetic inheritance to some extent, doesn't it? And yes, there are consequences to the choices that our parents made. Genetic, hardwired consequences. When we're born, we're not only born with the genes of our parents, but we're born with the expression of those genes as well. We inherit the epigenome of our parents as well. But here's the good news is that we can change that epigenome. We can change the way those genes are expressed in a powerful, powerful way. And that has to do with every choice that we make as we develop in our lives. Every choice that we make, how we choose to think. And so, what, what, I, what I want to do is share with you the power of thought with, with this whole process of Reengineering genetic risk, this whole process of how hostility and emotions influences the risk of premature death and disability more than anything else. And so that's, that's really the focus of this uh, process of a time for healing. So if, I, if we were to look at the, um, by the way, there was a piece of paper up here that I, had brought up here. Did you take this? Did you take it, Dad? Was oh, under me? No, oh, there it is. Safekeeping. Um, okay. What is the the deadliest toxin to our health and healing? Just. Um, 
I just did a, a presentation at several churches in Southern California um, called Detoxing for the New Year. Kind of this uh, popular, popular thing nowadays to look at, how can I detoxify my body? How can I kind of uh, start anew? So I actually used the eight natural remedies as a way to help people understand that you can use the eight natural remedies as the most powerful way, one of the most powerful strategies to help the body detoxify. But so I, I raised this question though, what's the deadliest toxin? Is it the PCBs, is it the dioxins, is it, is it the, um, um, the various heavy metals in our food? Um, is it the arsenic in the chicken? <laughs> did, you, did, you, did, you hear, did, did you hear just this last few weeks that the FDA has actually uh, convinced one of the drug companies to no longer market this drug that puts arsenic into the feed of chickens? It's a voluntary thing, apparently. <laughs> Apparently, they didn't have to mandate removing arsenic from chicken feed, which means it's been going on for the last, what, I don't know, 60, 70 years. I don't know how long it's been going on. And so um, the, uh, one of my physician friends who practices family medicine in, in Temecula, California, last year he had actually emailed me, and uh, he's... Uh, he's about 10, at least 10 years younger than I am, but he's already lost a lot of his hair. And so he was just joking. He says, he says, Wes, he says, uh, he says, uh, so really you've never eaten chicken, huh? <laughs> he says, uh, maybe I need to stop eating chicken because <laughs> he's lost all his hair and I hadn't lost mine yet. Of course, there's many other things that involve that, but, but it, it was his joke. And, and, um, cause he had learned that all chicken, unless it's, real organic, range-fed, you know, chicken, that, that they all have arsenic in them. Now, is, is, is arsenic a toxin? Is arsenic a toxin? Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think everybody knows arsenic is a, is a horrible toxin, so why is it in chicken feed? <laughs> why is it in chicken feed? Well, because it helps the chickens grow real fat real quick, and so they can chop off their heads and get them off the market. So it's an economic reason. Okay, now how would that make you make chickens grow or get fat quicker? Because see, arsenic is a toxin, and bacteria and parasites can't grow when there's lots of toxins floating through the bloodstream. That's why. That's why it's in, it's in chicken feed. And by the way, it's still in chicken feed. It hasn't, it hasn't been removed yet. And who knows what other toxin is going to take its place. You know, it's just like leaded gasoline. Okay, we talk a lot about the toxin lead and how it was in gasoline for so many years, but then they actually put nickel in, which is maybe a little less toxic, but it's still at those levels, it's still going to be toxic. Anyways, um, the... The real question is all these different toxins that influence our health, but what's the most deadly toxin? And, and that's where we have the opportunity to initiate this discussion of the most important parts of health, and that has to do with what's going on inside of our mind, what we're thinking about. 
in how we're acting on our thoughts. And, and this, this statement in Matthew 15, where Jesus is being challenged by the religious leaders of his day for what his disciples are doing, and they're not washing their hands, they're not doing this, they're not doing all these right physical things, right? They're not following, they're not following the important natural remedies, <laughs> right? They're not following the rules. Okay, but he says, wait a minute, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. And so Jesus wasn't saying you can eat anything you want. That wasn't the point. The point is he was trying to bring the focus to the most important, most salient issues of what's impacting our lives. Spiritually, emotionally, physical health. Okay, and, and so I really think this is the key here. And, and so this was, yeah, this was January 6, 2004, in the Koror Church in Palau, Forgiveness and Physical Healing. All right, so let me read the statement here. The statement from Ellen White that reads, The relationship that exists between the mind and the body is very intimate. When one is affected, the other sympathizes. The condition of the mind affects the health to a far greater degree than many realize. Many of the diseases from which men suffer are the result of mental depression. How many? Many of the diseases are a result of mental depression. Grief, anxiety, discontent, remorse, guilt, distress, all tend to break down the life forces. You know, if, if she says so many things that if I wasn't quoting, some of you would think, oh, he's kind of new age. This is kind of new age thinking. Well, New Age tries to borrow from the real sources, and then they, they bring in the lies to go with it. This is truth, okay? And so it, but it tends to break down the life forces. You know that one of my favorite quotes from Ellen White as it relates to our health, she says, Had not Adam and Eve been created with the vitality, with, with 20 times the vitality that men and women have today, the human race would have by now been extinct. Do you think we're living in the time of the end? We can't exercise and eat our way back into a vitality that's going to prevent the ultimate demise of the human race. We are at the end. We have lost 95% of the vitality that God created us with. And the only answer to get that back is to be able to be again with God in heaven and, and have access to the tree of life. That's the only hope for the human race. And so, so the, these, this breakdown of the life forces invite decay and death. Disease is sometimes produced and is often greatly aggravated by the imagination Many are lifelong invalids who might be well if they only thought so many imagined that every slight exposure will cause illness and the evil effect is produced because it is expected. Many die from disease, the cause of which is wholly imaginary. The treatment of the sick, in the treatment of the sick, the effect of mental influence should not be overlooked. Rightly used, this influence affords one of the most effective agencies for combating disease. And so what I want to share with you uh, briefly, how much time do we have, Mom? I think it's about our 
It is 10.30. Yeah, it is time to leave, isn't it? Okay, let me, let, me, let me just quickly. Actually, what? You know what we should do? We will continue this <laughs> this afternoon. And what I'm going to be sharing with you is, is the definitions of hostility, how they involve not just our acts or emotions, but what our attitude is, and how that has been studied, as has been pointed out earlier, that has been studied to influence the rate of heart, heart attack strokes and how that influences the process that promotes, that promotes diabetes and premature illness and death. So we'll talk about that when we reconvene this afternoon. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons please visit www.audioverse.org